Welcome back to the Rob Mana Show, everybody. Another exciting week coming up. There is so much news going on, but we've got we've got an event we want to talk about that's coming up in uh, on uh, May 11th and 12th, I believe. Uh, it's called the Internet Equality Summit. That's on the horizon, and uh, it, it looks to be a real good event to get the word out on what's going on with internet freedom and everything. And uh, ALX Productions is is uh, partnering with the Social Media Freedom Foundation to do this event out in uh, Palm Springs, California. It's a nonpartisan event, and it's going to feature a keynote debate between talk show host and New York Times bestselling author Dennis Prager uh, and Grant Stern, who's the executive director of Occupied Democrats and an author. You know, the summit's going to explore issues involved with the uh, you know, the protecting of citizens' rights, uh, ensuring corporate transparency and responsibility, and preserving national security, all things that are critically important and on the timeline right now. Uh, it offers a symposium for open and productive discussions, investigating solutions that will support our democratic rights and promote a free and open internet for everybody. In the spotlight, it's going to be Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act. Jason Fick, the show's friend and the founder of the Social Media Freedom Foundation and director, has been fighting to reconcile the correct application of Section 230 since 2018. Uh, on Tuesday, February 7th of this year, Jason filed a petition for a writ of certiorari in the United States Supreme Court that tracks the same legal path as Senator Ted Cruz's, Attorney General of Texas Ken Paxton, and even the Department of Justice's amicus brief in the Gonzalez v. Google case, where Section 230C1 doesn't protect any contact at all. Jason's my guest this week to talk about this exciting summit and the court case. Jason, welcome back to the Rob Manis Show, my friend. How are you? Thanks for having me on, Colonel Manis. I'm doing yeah, good. Yeah, I'm excited about this, uh, but uh, we gotta we gotta address the elephant in the room about the summit first and. Uh, uh, when I saw that uh, ALX Productions, uh, the event list and the guest list for the main attraction between Dennis Prager uh, and uh, the Occupy Democrats guy, now people call me a little bit right wing. I'm really on just an American on the Constitution, uh, but that's considered right wing these days. So why, why have an Occupy Democrats leader, actually the leader, uh, as one of the main attractions for this event? Well, Colonel, the the problem is is that we we don't have discussions. We don't have bipartisan discussions because oftentimes, uh, you know, you'll see the left or what we you would constitute the left shutting it down. And the question is, why are we not having this get together? Well, of course, that's why we put together the summit. Right? It's it's right. not about partisanship. It's about let's have a discussion because, of course. You know, we're going to be raising the question, and that's what this debate is over. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm thankful to both um, Dennis Prager and also to Grant Stern because, of course, they have to defend their own positions on it. But the question is, where does the line get drawn with what is considered free speech online? Is it absolute, where it's anything and everything, or is there a line that should exist between what is what would be considered offensive, truly offensive. But the question is, where does that line exist? Because if you start deeming some content offensive, well, is 
any content offensive. I mean, obviously somebody's going to be offended by everything, you know? Yeah. So that's what this debate really sets up is, is and, and I'm, you know, I'm pretty excited about it because honestly, I don't think it's ever happened anything like this, but they're going to debate debate over where that line exists for free speech online. What mm -hmm. would protect the interests of the public? So it's, it's a pretty exciting event, you know, pretty exciting uh, situation. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, uh, I think it's a good idea. You know, uh, uh, like I said, when, uh, when I first heard about it, uh, uh I'm excited about it. And, uh, I just saw the, the main event, uh, press release that went out, uh, just the other day. Uh, and actually I'm really excited that a, uh, that a leftist leader, somebody that's a designated formal leader of a leftist organization like that is get, is willing to come on the stage and debate somebody like a Dennis Prager uh, at an event that's designed to uh, to not divide, uh, you know, as as we know. And as I said in my intro, it's a nonpartisan event. Uh, and this issue, I think, Jason, uh, really is one. I believe that all Americans should be extremely and keenly interested in because, you know, your court case, uh, the reason I ever had you on my show as a guest in the fir first place was because I myself am being suppressed by folks like YouTube and Facebook. Uh, uh, and, and it's very difficult for me to get the word out uh, on, on from my show's perspective. And it's just all about trying to get the factual information out to people so that they can decide for themselves uh, uh, instead of having something that's that's smoothed over and, and narrativized is what I call it or propagandized by uh, I don't care what the corporate media is, whether it's Fox News or CBS News or MSNBC. It's all uh, narrativized to be slanted toward one way or the other uh, and to not be able to get facts out uh, because corporations are are ideologically opposed to the facts is not American. It's un-American. It, it shouldn't matter whether I'm a Republican or a Democrat. People will unite on this issue, won't they? Yeah, more information is always better than less information. And, and yeah. I think that that's what really defines what we have going on right now in America is, is that if if you want to say they're quintessentially right, the quintessential right is is that more information. I mean, I don't even care if it's wrong. Just put it out there and let people decide for themselves. But the tactic, which uh, you know, immediately happened with Grant, and and it's unfortunate, is as soon as that you know he report you know posted that he was going to be engaged in a, in a conversation with Dennis. What happened? People attacked him and said, you're going to give that Nazi fascist a, a bigger platform because they don't want they don't have a way to fight the facts. They don't have a way to fight the information. So their only tactic left is to silence the opposition. And of course, that's happening across all of social media right at the moment is anything that they don't want out there. Um, they silence and, and everybody thinks it's purely political. It's not. It's religious issues. It's. Uh, and and I would say the general theme is anything that the government doesn't want said, because, of course, you know, with the Twitter files, we're seeing that the government has been actively involved in censoring people. Now, the thing about that is, is that, of course, everybody's asking the same question. How do we stop this? Right. 
<clears throat> and of course, you know, you're one of the the first that you know have has had me on and discussing this issue of Section 230. Now, Section 230 is essentially how they get away with it, how it's all been happening, because there's there's a blending now, and it's unfortunate about separation of powers. Courts mm -hmm. are not doing what they're supposed to be doing. And because of that, these companies have been held absolutely immune from everything. And what happens when you have a child that's never disciplined? It grows up into you know, uh, an out-of-control adult, and, and yeah. that's exactly what these social media companies became. They became big social media you know, um, censorship engines, and that's all they're doing these days. And until the courts, you know, you know, it's a big leap. Um, yeah. Justice Roberts actually brought it up in Gonzalez. He said the economic impact that this is going to have. It is. It is going to have an economic impact on the internet, but it needs to happen. Is these companies need to be brought back to what they should be doing rather than anything and everything they so choose. That's well, yeah, we, we, you know, to address that Justice Roberts comment too, uh, from my end, you know, I see that as as uh, trying to stave off what should be the inevitable, which is a course correction back to what uh, what America stands for, which is freedom of thought, freedom of speech, and the ability to say uh, what you think without fear uh, from the government uh, or or corporations that are supported. Uh, and paid by the government that are their agents, which is what we saw, we now know for sure factually is happening today. I think Matt Taibbi and, and, uh, and Mr. Schellenberger in their testimony the other day called it the uh, uh, the uh, the secret censorship industrial complex. You know, referring to you know the old term uh, that President Eisenhower created. Uh, when he was leaving the Oval Office about the military industrial complex and giving us a warning about that, which was correct. <laughs> we now know, yeah. uh, now we have the censorship, uh, industrial complex. That's, uh, uh, corporations controlled by the government to control what you see and what in a, and inevitably what you think based on what you see and hear, uh, from an information standpoint. And it's just, it's just not the American way. I mean, this is the core, the core uh, right of Americans uh, that uh, uh, it doesn't have to be enshrined in some document like the Constitution or the Declaration of Independence. It is the natural right, the freedom of speech and thought without fear of a government uh, that we're supposed to control, right? Uh, you know, uh, and that gets me back to the, your court case. Give us an update on, on what's going on with that. I mentioned it, uh, the, the CERT application uh, in my intro uh, back in February. Uh, where is that case at uh, and what's happening with it? So <clears throat> we are back in the United States Supreme Court. We've uh, filed the other petition for, uh, for writ of certiari. And we've made this very simple. Um, it, it's... It, it's so simple. You don't need to be an attorney. If you read the petition, you'll realize that what we're what we're essentially asking of the courts right now is to apply Section 230 as written. Just do what the text says, because what's happened with the courts and what most people are completely unaware of is the courts completely deviated from what the legislature said and intended for this law. It, it has allowed them absolute immunity from everything. And all we're saying is do what the text actually says. So it's not a, a complex argument. 
but we've pointed out where the text has, has essentially failed. Um, and that comes down to the misuse of, uh, of a definite article, the misread. Um, it's ignoring the, the general provision, which is called the, uh, the Good Samaritan general provision. Why aren't they acting as Good Samaritans? I mean, that should be the fundamental question of any litigation is, did they act in the interest of the public, in the, or at least in the interest of others, not their own interests, mm -hmm. as a Good Samaritan? Mm -hmm. That's the fundamental protection principle of the whole thing. And yet these haven't been applied. And, and really the biggest question I think that we have before the court is, is not asked in the petition, but it is a question that you know concerns me greatly because obviously free speech is the is the tool to accomplish every other job if we don't have free speech we can't we can't fix anything right right and and 73.7 percent of americans conversations are done on the internet this is huge free speech wow. is at risk here right yeah but the question is is the interest of the public more important than the corporate financial interests of big gov or above big corporation. Mm -hmm. That's really what's in front of them is if we go with status quo, corporate entities that are working in a partnership with government control speech. That's it. That's what we have going on right now. And where does that if fall into the definition of from a uh, from a, uh, uh, a economic and and governmental structure? you know, on the spectrum, is that like uh, total anarchy or total control? Where does that fall on the spectrum of that? It sounds very familiar to me. Uh, uh, it starts with an F, quite frankly, uh, government controlled <laughs> corporations, you know, the classic definition of fascism, fascism is where the government controls the corporations. Uh, I, I would actually classify it as an oligarchy. It's yeah. a number of individuals that run very large corporations in conjunction with the government, and they control all the money that goes through this country. I mean, they're spitting it out every which way they possibly can. And realistically, what's who's hurting is the interest of the public, which, which yeah. is why that decision rests on the Supreme Court is, are you going to protect the interests of the public? What you swore an oath to the Constitution to protect. Yeah, You swore an oath. Do what the text says of the legislature. Stop allowing the courts to do whatever they choose to do and do what, what our laws say to do. Protect our constitutional rights. So, you know, it, the future of America, I mean, I, and I, I hate being hyperbolic. I, I, I really can't stand even patting myself on the back. I just go, I, I put my head down and I work and I work and I work and I've got this figured out. And I will say this, you know, because it was even in, um, Susan Prager, Dennis Prager's wife, even articulated the other day. She said that that my petition for writ of certiorari may be likely the most important lawsuit in modern history. Free speech may literally rest on the decision. It's I that agree important. With her. I agree with her. I think she's right. Yeah, it is. And it that's is why that you don't hear it in any of the legacy media. That's why <laughs> you don't hear it with any of the big corporation because we are legitimately getting the job done it all comes down to what the supreme court is going to do here because we cannot get this done in the california courts they have no interest yeah. in, in seemingly in fixing this yeah so we're still waiting on their decision on the writ yeah it, it's up I'm for sure. consideration um probably in the next uh three to four weeks i'm assuming it has mm -hmm. yet to be docketed for consideration but but as we expected um facebook declined to respond to our petition because what are they going to say don't do what the text says. Go with status quo. Right. I mean, that's really what they would have to say. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, 
it's unbelievable. You know, I, matter of fact, I just uh, saw this morning on Twitter that uh, YouTube has taken down uh, one of uh, Dr. Peter McCullough's videos. And uh, of course, I had to tweet out that, well, they, they, they went back over a year and found enough strikes on videos to, to remove my show channel completely uh, because just because I dared to talk about vaccine adverse reactions with guests and, uh, and election integrity and not even in a the election was stolen way, just a, you know, here's how we can make sure we have secure and, and uh, uh, accurate elections. You know, uh, it, it's just it's just unbelievable what these companies can get away with and, and what they can get away with at the behest of the government. Well, think about what you just said. They went back to yes. find enough to qualify to remove an individual, correct? That's correct. Right. That's exactly. So what were happened. they were they targeting offensive materials, which is the the purpose of the law, or were they targeting the individual and trying to find a cause? Think about yeah. our judicial system, the way it works. Imagine, I mean, we're we're seeing that play out in New York right now with uh with the the district attorney and, and Donald Trump. Is is that they already have the crime in their head? Now they actually have to find the evidence to prove it. This is the way that that they just did what you just said with, with uh, YouTube is doing is the same thing yeah. the DA is doing. We have lost due process. It's gone. And and That's unfortunately, right. we, we haven't really done much about it. I mean, the, this is going to come down to what, what the courts decide to do nowadays. Yeah. And we and we have to do something about it, Jason. I mean, we really do. You mentioned uh, Alvin Bragg's uh, fake I call it fake. I'll, I'll be hyperbolic about it. That's my job. <laughs> it's a it's a fake indictment uh, process, you know, on, a, on what's called a zombie case that's been turned down by the federal government, turned down by his own office before he was elected, uh, you know, turned down by the federal district prosecutors uh, up in that district. Uh, and, uh, uh, and that's one of my concerns is, you know, the, uh, and I think your case highlights that uh, and always has, but it hasn't really been exposed yet to the public. And that is what you just said, is that the criminal court system, the criminal justice system, the courts, is now being manipulated for political and ideological purposes the same way the Section 230 law is being manipulated by the civil courts for political and ideological purposes to go after opponents. Uh, and, and it's almost, well, I'm speechless by it, quite frankly. It's, I don't know how we got here, uh, but we're here. And if we don't do something, then uh, we're about to take a step, if, especially on the Bragg uh, indictment process, that uh, may not be recoverable, quite honestly. It may not be recoverable from a justice system perspective. Well, you, you said you don't know how we got here. I might be able to shed a little light on that. How Remember did we at get the, here? At the beginning of this conversation, I talked about the fact is, is that if you don't discipline a child, what do you get ultimately as an adult? Same thing has happened with big tech companies. They have not been disciplined. They've never been held liable even for completely illegal acts, um, anti-competitive acts, antitrust acts, nothing. They And that's how they became so big. Well, think about this. Let's apply the same principle to judges. They are given qualified immunity 
and the Supreme Court held that that if they're negligent and violate your constitutional rights, there's no consequence. So judges can literally put their thumb blatantly on the scale of justice, tilt it completely away from any litigant in favor of the, the more powerful litigant, and there's no repercussions whatsoever. So if there's no re repercussions, there's no responsibility, what happens? They do whatever they choose, and we are losing our country because of it. Now, the question I have, and, and it's something that we're exploring right now, uh, I'm hoping to gain a, a little help from either the attorney general's office or um, potentially congressional offices. We have evidence of willful disregard for their constitutional oath. Now, this is not negligent. Negligent means, oops, sorry, yeah. we, we kind of messed up. Willful. We flat told them that if you deny me a single day in court, having allowed Facebook to take my property, deny me of my liberties, denies me of all remedy. A denial of all remedy for the taking of my properties is what would be considered a regulatory illegal taking. If Section mm -hmm. 230 allows them to take our property and destroy it, that's unconstitutional if you don't give them a day in court. That's right. And we we warned them. We said that this is this is a violation of my constitutional oath or their, their constitutional oath. They ignored it. They didn't care. Wow. And see, that's a problem. When, when they're not taking this seriously, that the people of this country have more power. They are our public servants. We mm -hmm. are the masters. We are the ones that are supposed to control this. And unfortunately, and what I, I really crazy revelation as I went through this, because as I delved into common law, right, which is different than statutory law, I delved into common law. And common law is we the people, right? This is our mm -hmm. original right. stuff. They don't teach this to lawyers. They don't teach this in law school. And you, you have to ask your question, why not? Maybe because it's more powerful than statutory law. If we don't fit their statutory procedures, we can be thrown out. Well, common law doesn't play that way. Common law simply says, I, as one of the people with my sovereign rights, demand that you hear this. Demand it of a servant. And it's something that you know a lot more people are paying attention and going backwards to essentially go forwards is go back to our constitutional law, constitutional mm -hmm. rights, and and understand what we can and can't do because I think that's the only way we can we can recover the situation that we're in. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I was shocked a few years ago when I was talking to uh, attorneys that have been in public office at the federal level and the state level when I asked them why why. Why are these judges and attorneys blatantly not understanding of, con of constitutional law? Uh, and they all looked at me with a straight face with the same answer. Well, constitutional law classes don't talk about really the Constitution. They talk about procedure. It's a procedural. Uh, Correct. And uh, that's not constitutional at all. Right. Exactly. And that's I think that's what you're referring to. Procedural issues are the way the courts are being manipulated and the judges are letting that happen. Uh, is there no, uh, do we have no recourse with these judges? Well, I mean, how, it, how does that get addressed? Um, the, the other night I was in um, Twitter space, which are, are great things. I'd love to mm -hmm. I'd invite you to come on and speak with us sometime. Twitter spaces are like the new town square. They're, they're unfiltered. You can go in there and find real information. And I'm on there, you know, under my name. Um, and we were having this discussion. We're exploring new territory. This is stuff that hasn't been done because realistically they didn't want it done. 
So now it's it's a matter of we are trying to figure out how this process works because now that we have the evidence of all of these crimes, like I mean, these are these are really crimes. Um, you know, it's a felony to to violate somebody's constitutional oath. Right. How do we how do we um, enforce it? And that's really what you're asking here is how do we make this happen? Where if a judge does this. He should be Watch the rest of this interview on Red Voice Media Premium using the link below. Completely uncensored and ad-free. Not a member yet? Try it for $1.